You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with us, a place where hope and reality converge. Now, I want to give you number one this morning as we talk about the gospel of the kingdom and we declare to you what the gospel of the kingdom is. I want to give to you number one this morning the declaration of of the kingdom. I want you to see in the Bible, right in the Word of God, that the kingdom of God was declared, number one, before Jesus Christ's ministry had taken place. And we see it through John the Baptist. And you look there in Matthew chapter 3. You're right there in Matthew 4. Just look over Matthew 3 verse 1. The Bible says, in those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom. Someone say kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ, preparing the way for Jesus. He was preaching that the kingdom was at hand. A manifestation of the kingdom of God had come into this earth and it was at hand. And his name was Jesus Christ. How many know he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords? So Jesus came and we just read he came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Turn over to Luke chapter 9 quickly this morning. Luke chapter 9. And in Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 9 verse 1 it says, And Jesus called his twelve disciples together, gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases. He sent them to do what? To preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. You turn over to Luke 10, and you see that Jesus sent out 70 more people. And as he sent them, the Bible shows us in verse 9, he told them this, Heal the sick that are there and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. You look later in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, Jesus had already died on the cross. He had rose from the grave. He ascended to the right hand of God. And the power of the Holy Spirit had been given in that upper room. And we're still in that age today where the power of the Holy Spirit is still given to the New Testament church. And if you believe that, shout amen. Amen. The power of God given to the 120 in the upper room. Well, what does the early church do? Well, that what they saw Jesus do, that which Jesus commanded them to do. They preached the things concerning the kingdom of God. And you read later in Acts 8, verse 12, I encourage you to write these scriptures down. Acts 8, verse 12, that the people believed Philip. Let me know Philip was an evangelist. He was an apostle. Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. See, you cannot talk about the kingdom of God without talking about Jesus Christ because he is the king of this kingdom. He is the Lord of this kingdom. There is no man greater but Jesus. So as Peter, or I'm sorry, excuse me, as Philip preached Jesus, preached the kingdom, you can read later, great joy came into the city because of the miracles. You look later in Acts chapter uh, 28, I believe it is, Acts chapter 28. Verse 30 and 31, the Bible says that Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received everyone who came to him, and he preached the kingdom of God and teached the things which concerned the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. So I just took you through a quick journey through the Bible that before Jesus Christ, what was preached? The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. During Jesus Christ's earthly ministry, the Bible says he came preaching the gospel of the 
of the kingdom. During the life of Christ, he sends out his disciples, sends out the 70. What does he send them to do? To preach the things of the kingdom, to declare the things of the kingdom of God. And as Jesus is taken from the earth, resurrected, ascended to the right hand of God, what does the early church do? That which they seen Jesus do. That's which Jesus commanded them to do. Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom. Miracles and signs and wonders. Great joy filling the city. Paul preaching the things of the kingdom. Now listen to the promise that Jesus gave and the prophecy that is being fulfilled right now, even in this house. Jesus prophesied in Matthew 24, 14. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. So the gospel of the kingdom was preached before Christ, during Christ, after Christ, and it shall be preached until Jesus comes back for his bride. Well, what is this gospel of the kingdom? Well, I showed you the declaration of the kingdom. Now let's give you an explanation of the kingdom. Now, as you read in Matthew 4, it says that Jesus came preaching the gospel. Now, that's one word in the Greek language, and then the kingdom is a different Greek word in the language. The first word, gospel, is eugelion, and it means good news, specifically speaking of salvation. How many know that the Lord Jesus Christ is good news? I know what goes on in the woods of Pennsylvania. And it's more than hunting deer. I was that redneck running around driving pickup trucks and having keg parties out in the woods. I know what goes on in Pennsylvania, young people. You listen to me. Young man bound by sin and destruction. I remember sitting at Little Buffalo State Park thinking if I should take my life after a girl broke up with me. I know what it is to be bound with the chains of sin and darkness. But I also know the good news of Jesus Christ. And that he died on the cross and he rose from the grave and he shed blood for you and I. For the removal of sin and for the power of sin to be broken. How many know that's good news? And if you're here this morning in this service, you'd say, preacher, I'm living in sin. My life's not right with God. If Jesus was to return in this moment, or if I was to get into a car accident and die, if I was to fall asleep tonight and not wake up, preacher, I don't know if heaven is my home. I don't know if the Lord would say, welcome into the joy of the Lord. He may just say to me, depart from me, I've never knew you. If you're here this morning, listen to me carefully. You're not right with God. And Jesus Christ is not the king of your heart. Jesus Christ is not the king of your life. Then I'm going to give you an opportunity today to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You will have an opportunity to repent of sin, to turn from sin, and receive the forgiveness of Almighty God, the mercy of God. What is mercy? It's that which you cannot do and of yourself God does for you. You can't save yourself, but God has done it for you if you'll just turn to Him by faith. But I'm not going to ask you to tiptoe around the tulips today. I'm not going to ask you to be a closet Christian. 
I'm not going to be asked. I'm not going to ask you to just whisper to yourself and say, well, Jesus, come into my life. I'm going to ask you today to make a public stand for Jesus Christ, that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And you want to receive him as the king of your life. That's the gospel. But Jesus came preaching what? The gospel of the kingdom. Some would say the kingdom. Turn over to Revelation 21, if you would, please. What is this kingdom? Now, the Greek word of this kingdom, as you're turning to Revelation 21, it's basileia. And it literally means royal power, listen carefully, kingship, dominion, control, rule, and reign. It's literally where God is, where his presence remains, where he is, his kingdom. Now, as you look up this Greek word, you find written very clearly that this word in the Greek, this kingdom is not to be confused with an actual kingdom. Now, the disciples all through the Gospels, all the way to the book of Acts, they're looking for a physical kingdom. They're looking for the Messiah, the anointed one, to come with a scepter and a crown, with a physical throne where he would rule and reign in power and military force, military power over God's people. But this kingdom that Jesus came preaching, he came preaching a kingdom that would be established spiritually in the hearts and lives of people. In fact, the Pharisees asked him, Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? He answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will you say, "He see it here or see it there. For the kingdom of God, he said, is within you. Jesus came to establish a kingdom within the hearts and lives of people. So when you ask God for the forgiveness of sin, when you ask Jesus to be the king of your heart, you're asking, to, asking him to establish his rule, his reign, his power, his lordship, his kingship in your life and to have him as the king of your life and the throne of your heart to where you'll no longer live for yourself, but you'll live for the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Can you say amen? And this spiritual kingdom will, it will break every power of sin over your life. Every addiction, come on somebody, it will break it off the moment you receive Jesus. Old things the Bible says passes away. Behold, all things become brand new. This kingdom, Matthew 6, 10, Luke 11, before we look in Revelation Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. He says what? Our Father in his basileia, his kingdom, his rule, his reign, our Father in. It's where God is, where the Father is in heaven. How many know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He lives in you. Whether you know it or not, there is a king and a kingdom within you. Hallelujah. But our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven so in order to understand this message that jesus came preaching you must look at god's kingdom you must look at heaven so look at with me for for a moment revelation 21 verse 4 and god will wipe away every tear from their eyes there shall be no more death no more sorrow no more crying There shall be no more pain, 
The former things of this world have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Verse 18, the construction of its walls was jasper. City was pure gold. Someone say gold. Foundation of the wall of the city was adorned with all kinds of precious stones. First foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophrase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. How many see that there are precious stones in heaven? There are pearly gates in heaven. There are streets that are made of gold. Can I tell you that Jesus Christ did not come to this earth in a message of poverty? There is no poverty and lack in the realm of God's kingdom. On this day, on this hour, I have no idea where $30,000 is going to come from to go on television in the next few years. But I know one thing. The God that I serve has an abundant resources available to advance the kingdom of God around this world. There is no lack, there is no want, there is no poverty with God. The Bible says in Philippians, verse 19, And my God shall supply all of my needs, listen, according to His riches, in where? In glory. The God that you serve, is not a God of lack. He is a God that is very rich. He is a God that is a blessing God. He wants to bless his children. He wants to take care of his children. David said in Psalms 37, 25, he said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their descendants begging for bread. If you think that the economic future of America is bright, you are falsely mistaken. The economic future of America, if America does not turn back to Jesus and repent of sin and allow God to heal the land again, America is in trouble economically. Even read the Bible, there will be a one-world system economically. There will be a monetary system, a one-world government. And in order for that to happen, there must be some type of collapse. But can I tell you, do not fear, church. Can I tell you, there is coming a day when the government of the United States, listen, they're already pushing against nonprofits. They're already pushing, they, they hit against focus on the family. Imagine that. One of the greatest ministries in America, focus on the family. And the IRS targeted them. This is reality of the day we live in. There may come a day when they may try to tax preachers. They may try to tax the church. They may try to push us out. But my God shall supply. All of my needs according to his riches and glory. You mark my words. They're not going to try to tax out the one that's getting with their programs of sin and unrighteousness. Them, them churches that accept homosexuality and fornication and ungodliness. Those churches that are getting on board with sin and unrighteousness. They're not going to come against them. They're going to come against preachers like me. That preach the full gospel of Jesus Christ. That preach against the power of sin and preach the name of Jesus. But don't fear. Don't fear. You say, well, I lost my job. God's got a better one for you. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Can you say amen? 
Psalms 50.10, God says, Every beast in the forest is mine, and I own a cattle on a thousand hills. Psalms 23.1, David said, The Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not be in lack. He will give me all that I have need of. Proverbs 10.21, the blessing of the Lord makes a man rich. You know, you, you actually cannot translate uh, that word rich in the Hebrew any other way. In fact, when you look it up, it says wealthy. Come on. <laughs> God's not poor. He's wealthy. And the blessing of the Lord makes a man rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. You say, well, even Jesus said the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. I'm going to prove to you right in the Bible that Jesus wasn't walking around with holes in his jeans. And how many say I'm already keeping you in the Bible? Come on, I didn't put the streets of gold in there. God did. I'm giving you the living word of God, and God wants to bless you. He is a good God. He's not a punishing God. He's a blesser. Surely goodness and mercy are going to follow you all the days of your life. At the birth of Jesus Christ, Matthew says, they brought to him treasures of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, I know we we have all these symbolic sermons based around the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh, but let's just keep it real for a moment. They brought to Jesus treasures because he was a king that came out of the kingdom of heaven. He was a king that was manifested into this earth. He came out of a place of wealth and abundance. And the moment he stepped birth into this world, boom, what was provided for him? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And Jesus was never in lack. He was never in want as he moved in ministry. And at the death of Jesus Christ, you know what else he had? John tells us this, that his tunic was without seam. Even so much, in fact, that inner seam, That was without seam. It was perfectly woven all the way around that inner garment that Jesus had. It was such a desirable item that the Roman soldier says, oh, let's let's gamble for it. Let's cast lots. Don't tear it. Let's beat the crown of thorns in his head. Let's spit on him. Let's mock. But don't mess up that inner tunic because only the wealthy and the, and the prudent, only, only the, 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 those that had money wore those type of garments. So at the birth of Jesus Christ and at the death of Jesus Christ, he prospered in everything that he did. Can you say amen? And I declare prosperity over you and everything you put your hand to will prosper and flourish. Come on, we're called to be fruitful and multiply. There's no death in heaven. Can you say amen? Amen. If you're here today and you've heard me already preach about the gospel and you need Jesus Christ as your Savior, you right now, without Christ, are on a trail of death and destruction. Jesus said, wide is the gate that leads to destruction. But narrow is that trail that leads to life. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, he said, Oh, death, where is your sting? Where is your victory? In Jesus Christ, there is no death. Our sister Pat, she is dancing and rejoicing because in Jesus, Oh, death, where is your sting? Hallelujah. I'm believing God that when I go out, I'm going to go out in perfect peace, no sickness in my body, and my children are going to be blessed. I believe when I go out, I'm just going to step from this realm into the next realm because death ain't going to hold me down. Hallelujah. 
Slap your neighbor, say, I'm glad you came to church. Jesus said, I came to give life, and life more abundantly. There's no sorrow in heaven. There's no sadness in heaven. There's no depression. Come on, somebody. There's no spirit of heaviness ruling and reigning in heaven. In the bustle, in the kingdom of God, there's joy inexpressible and full of his glory. I've seen, I've seen people in Alaska. I was up in Point Hope a few years back preaching the gospel. The power of God. I'm telling you. It was such, oh my goodness, just an amazing, amazing time. I actually have a little bit of video somewhere of this. Pastor comes up to take the offering. It's actually the superintendent's dad. He was in his 80s. He comes up, oh, brother, we got to take an offering for you right before I'm getting ready to preach. I said, okay. He starts praying over the offering. The Lord just says, bless him in the house. I said, okay, Lord. I said, Lord, bless my pastor. That was it. He started taking the offering, and the joy of the Lord hit that man like you wouldn't believe. He's... He's in his 80s. This is a superintendent of Assembly of God in Alaska. It's his dad. And he is ridiculously laughing and losing control. He can't even get the offering taken. He sits on the front row, and he is re- like recklessly laughing. I'm like, okay, God, i got to preach here. So what do I do? The Lord just says, let it go for a minute. I said, okay. So I let it go for about 10 minutes. Every native person, and, and, and by the way, they can be very stoic. They're looking at me and they're looking at him. They're doing only the eyes are moving, you know, like what? I'm I'm telling you, as sure as I stand here, I saw it was like a wave of God's glory just like like flowed into that place. And every person, you, you couldn't flip a light switch fast enough. Immediately, every person in that house was laughing with such joy. And it was such inexpressible. The Bible says it's joy inexpressible and full of his glory. And there was this one woman, she's about 400 pounds, man. And I've got it on video. She gets up. She starts running in place. She sits down, starts running in place. Back, she goes, oh, it's back down. Oh. You know, the day before that, she wanted to kill herself. Don't tell me God won't make you laugh. He's the author of joy. Now, I'm not here to encourage you to start laughing right now. I'm just telling you that there is a manifestation of God's presence that when it fills someone who's full of sadness and sorrow and heaviness, God has a way of turning it to joy and joy inexpressible and full of glory. Amen? We're not making doctrine out of this laughing business. We're just saying God can fill you with joy. There's no tears in heaven. Can you say amen? This is the message Jesus came with. Jesus didn't come with a message of poverty and destruction. Do you notice in the Bible, Jesus never came to someone and said, or someone come to him, Lord, like the leper in Matthew 8. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Well, this is just the pill of suffering God's given you, dear leper. Swallow your pill and take it well. No, of course not. Jesus said, I'm willing. Be cleansed. You know, you will never find anybody in the Bible that came to Jesus by faith, leaving with sickness or disease. And you'll never find anybody in the Bible whom Jesus personally touched, or they touched him by faith, leaving with sickness or disease. You won't find it. It's not in the Bible. Come on, somebody. I don't care what K-Love tells you or some Christian radio. 
Yeah, I said it. God's not a God, and we sing these songs, He gives and takes away. God's not a God who gives and takes away. The Bible says every good and perfect gift in James comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no shadow of turning, which means He gives good gifts, and He doesn't take them away. (laughs) Come on, somebody. He's not going to give you a broken hallelujah. Yeah, I'm still on the K-Love business. <laughs> I told you I'm a wild card pastor. You know, hallelujah in the Hebrew, it's with an exclamation point. It means this. Praise God. It's like a shout of victory. He's not going to give you a broken hallelujah, church. He's going to give you joy inexpressible, full of glory. You may go through a hard time, but your faith is going to give you the victory that gets you through, and you're going to come out on the other side of dancing, doing the two-step. Come on, somebody, saying glory. Well, you don't understand what I'm going through. God's given this to me just to teach me something. I don't see sickness in heaven. I don't see Jesus afflicting anybody with sickness or disease. There's no pain in heaven. God said in Exodus 15, He said, I'm the Lord who heals you. Malachi says... I'm the Lord and I change not. We have a great theological term called immutable. He's, he cannot change. God is who he says he is. So when Hebrews 11 says he who comes to him, or it says this, without faith, Hebrews eleven six, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to him must believe that he is. So when God says who he is, we believe in whom he is. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So when God came down in Exodus 15, he said, I am the Lord who heals you. And Malachi says, I'm the Lord and I cannot change. I'm immutable. How many know he can't be a healer today and an afflictor tomorrow? Did you catch that? God's not the punisher. He's the deliverer. He can't be a deliverer today. And someone that's going to put you in the miry clay tomorrow. God is the horn of salvation. He is our deliverance. He is our shield. He is our rock. He is our shelter in the storm. He will cover us with his feathers. A thousand may fall at one side. Ten thousand at your other. But it shall not come near you. (laughs) I was shaking hands this morning. The lady goes, oh, don't touch me. I'm sick. I said, I don't care. It shall not come near me. So shake my hand. I love you as a brother. Amen. Brother Jones, the wild card, he's getting a little wild today. Thank you, Jesus. I am so passionate about the kingdom. Passionate about Christ's rule and reign. 
There are millions of people around this world, billions of people slipping into eternity of hell. And we just tiptoe around and we just casually just go on with our lives. And we need to be a militant type people serving God in his kingdom in power and authority. Declaring what he can do and what he will do and bringing it to this earth. I told pastor in his office, I said, man, you know where we've lived. You know where we've been. I only know one speed. It's full throttle with the Holy Ghost. There's only one thing that changes people, sets men free, breaks the chains of darkness, casts out demons. It's the power of the kingdom of God. And lastly, as we close this morning, the manifestation of the kingdom. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4.20, the kingdom of God is not but word, but power. Someone say power. He said the kingdom of God is not word, but power. He said it's not something to be talked about, not something to be debated about. I mean, if you want to come up to me after service and say, well, you know, that was a great service. I believe everything but that whole prosperity bit. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to debate about it with you. You take it for what it is, it's the word of God. The kingdom of God is not word, it's power. Someone say power. In the Greek, that's dynamos or dunamis. Or it's the same word that when the power of the Holy Spirit comes on you. It's the power. It's miracle power. It's an explosion of power. Understand Matthew chapter 4. Jesus went out what? Preaching. How many know that's word? He spoke with words. He declared the preaching of what? The gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sicknesses, all kinds of diseases. Epileptics, paralytics, demon-possessed, torments, and he healed them. Amen? He didn't just talk about it. He demonstrated it. As he sent his disciples out, what did he say? As you go, preach. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the leper. Cast out demons. For freely you have received, now freely give. He said, declare it and demonstrate it. Don't just talk about it. Bring it. Amen? Show me a preacher in this last day that's ready to bring it. Show me a man or a woman in the congregation that's ready to bring it. Come on, somebody. We're not just serving God for ourselves. There is a world around us that's dying, and they need to come in contact with the kingdom of light. They need to come out of darkness and be brought into the marvelous light. It doesn't come when you just talk about it. We'll talk to you about this Jesus. Well, tell them about Jesus, but show them Jesus. I want to share this. I felt to share this earlier. How many give me five more minutes? I did say I'm going to close, and I mean I'm closing right now. When I was in Ammonic, the Lord spoke to me a prophetic word that out of Deuteronomy 28 at the first of the year in January. And he said, Those that have rejected the message of Christ would come under the curse. But those who have come into right relationship with me and have received your words will be blessed. And he said it will be noticeable, it will be visible. You will see it firsthand. I declared it publicly in Ammonic in the church on the first of the year of that year. And I, put, I actually wrote the whole thing out, printed it out, put it on the back by the door for everybody to see it. By February of that year, I don't know, maybe you might even heard it here, CNN was in our village. 
in our, you know, 200 plus native villages in Alaska, and here's CNN in our village. Be, and they're doing a story because one of our native leaders in the community wrote a letter to Sarah Palin, the governor at the time, stating that my people can't decide if, they need to, if they're going to buy food or stove oil to stay warm uh, because there's no money, there's no resources, and my people are starving, they're hungry, and they're cold. Anybody hear that story at all a few years back? You did. CNN was in our village by February. One month later, the word of the Lord came to pass. Well, not only did that happen, but we actually ran out of stove oil in Ammonic that year. The barge couldn't come in because of the, the ice had froze up. So they started flying in the diesel oil to, to heat homes, and it was at $9 a gallon. How many know that's kind of expensive? And when you have 2,000-gallon tanks outside to heat your church, and you need them both filled, that's $18,000. And when you're in one of the most poorest places in America, and by the way, Amonic in the lower Yukon, they just came out with a statistic, it is the poorest place in all of Alaska, and it's one of the poorest places in all of America. And when you live there, and the people don't have $18,000, they can't even heat, heat their homes hardly, but we saw God bless his people just as he said he would do. And by April of that year, I went out, excuse, yeah, by April of that year, I went out to check the tank, and I put this, I have a professional measuring stick, I put in the tank. And I pulled it out, and it said, it said about 100 gallons, 90 to 100 gallons, somewhere in there. And we were burning about 100 gallons a month. And the barge doesn't come till the end of June. So I need at least 200-plus gallons to get us through to the barge. I take the stick. I have a permanent Sharpie marker. I put it on the outside of the tank, and I mark it with a line. And I said, God, you said that this curse is not for the righteous. Come on. I said, Lord, I received the blessing according to Deuteronomy 28. And I said, this stove oil shall not run dry. And I refused to check it for a month. I told my wife, my wife and I joined in prayer by faith. See, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. And I told God, I, this is what I told him. I'm not paying $9 a gallon. It's not for me. You laugh. That's exactly what I told him. Come on, start moving by faith, not by sight. I said, I'm not paying $9 a gallon. That's for the wicked, not the righteous. Let one month go by. And I said, well, babe, I better go out and check because we've got a whole other month till the barge comes. I said, I better go out and check. Take the top off, get up on my ladder, put the stick in. I, I'm telling you, as sure as I stand here, I pull it out and it said 123 gallons. Not only did we not lose any stove oil, but we gained 23 gallons over a month period, and I never paid a $9 gallon stove oil, if God can supply Elijah with ravens at the brook, come on, somebody, if he can bring him food at the brook, God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Stand with me if you would, please. And as you're standing, I want to share this as well. One of the greatest testimonies of the church in Ammonic today, even right now, as I stand here, probably one of the greatest testimonies that I could share with that church is this. I already showed you it's the most poorest place in America, all of Alaska statistically. There's just no money there. There's just no income whatsoever. I was a little nervous about installing our local native pastor because he's not a missionary. He's not fully funded. You know, part of missions funds helps sustain a work like that. 
But when the Bible says that he is El Shaddai, he is more than enough, when the Bible says that you'll share the same blessing of Abraham, those who ever put their faith in Christ, and the blessing of Abraham, according to Galatians 3, will come upon the Gentiles. I may know if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. And the blessing that was on Abraham is for you. That is not limited to statistics. Listen carefully. The blessing of God isn't limited to what man writes down on paper and says statistically. Today in Ammonic, the church is now beginning to pay their pastor 10% of whatever comes in. I just talked to them a few weeks ago. They have 2,000 gallons of stove oil currently in their tanks. That's gold out there. Listen to me. That, That stove oil is gold. Both tanks are completely filled. And the people that put it in from the fishery, they gave them an extra 300 gallons for free. They just felt like it. Come on. And they have over $16,000 in their bank account and every bill is paid. Someone say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You say, well, 16000 that's not a whole lot for a church. Believe me. You can ask your pastor. He's been where we've been. It's a lot. You know what? That church will never be in lack, never be in want. I told the district when I went there, I said, you'll never, you'll never find me at your doorstep asking you to fund this ministry. I said, the only way that we'll go in poverty and lack is if I fall into sin and I don't live right with God. Come on. There's a covenant blessing. It's a covenant blessing. You do your part, God does his part. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.